Welcome to the Red Rain Podcast. Here is your host from SB Nation's Revenge of the Birds, Walter Mitchell. Thank you, Kyle Little Rock Ledbetter from Slam Diego. Appreciate it. I'm glad to be uh, joining you again today. Uh, we have a special guest, Kyle Odegaard, um, was my favorite writer, writer uh, journalist, beat writer, Cardinals writer on um, azcardinals.com. Was bummed to hear he was leaving, but now we know why. He's uh, now the editor of Compare.bet um, and and uh, writer and odds maker there, um, or odds, odds reporter. Uh, welcome, Kyle. Tell us uh, about your transition. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I um, obviously worked for the Cardinals for almost eight seasons. It was a, a nice run, but I felt like the sports betting thing was interesting to me where it's becoming legalized in Arizona and across the country, really, and kind of wanted to get on the front end of that. It's always been intriguing to me. As you probably know, I'm a numbers guy. I like looking at the numbers, and this was a way to stay in that and, and go into a little bit different career path. I'll still be writing, but also more big picture stuff, some strategy stuff, and just uh, uh, something I felt like would be a fun uh, fun path for me to take. Well, you can fi- continue to f- follow Kyle Odegaard at, at Kyle underscore Odegaard on Twitter. Um, and of course, at compare.bet. So um, it was incredible timing, I felt, you switching over to the odds um, arena when suddenly the Cardinals reported their affiliation with BetMGM. Did, <laughs> yeah. you, did you broker that deal? <laughs> no, I, I did not have anything to do with that. I heard rumblings about it coming together right as I was leaving, and it was kind of funny timing. But no, that was. It, it, there's just going to be a lot of sports betting news coming up, especially with the legalization. September 9th is when people in Arizona are going to be able to bet. So you're going to hear a lot about uh, sports betting pretty soon. <laughs> you're going to be a popular man at that on September night. No doubt. Um, no doubt. Uh, so um, what do you think about the Cardinals affiliation with Bet MGM? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it makes sense. All the sports teams in Arizona seem to be linking up with uh, different sports books and all the sports books want to come here and they're trying to get customers and there's a lot of different options and the Cardinals went, went with Bet MGM and, FanDuel and DraftKings and all those guys are coming in and actually one of the the things that my company does is try to review these sports books and there's going to be a lot of choices for sports bettors in Arizona who are very new to it so it's nice to where you can see the different layouts of the different books and some some of them have similarities but there's differences with them so that's a part of what we do is figure out okay this is what you're looking for as far as sports betting this might be the best sports book or the best couple apps for you to download. Wow. Very timely. Sounds fantastic. And really excited for you. Um, and for those who can tap into your, um, into your website and of course here, see your, your tweets, um, which I've been seeing left and right recently. Um, I was really interested in the, in the, um, tweet you had about, um, the PFF grades for the Cardinals cornerbacks in training camp. Um, I, there was good news and bad news on that one. Uh, what, what's your feeling about the Cardinals cornerback situation now that you've looked at it for a couple of games? Yeah. And obviously it's a very small sample size at this point. So you can't take a ton out of it, but Byron Murphy had that great interception in uh, the, the chiefs game against Mahomes. I think he's looking really good. Marco Wilson has, has played pretty well. So we know that Robert Alford and Malcolm Butler are certainly going to get the first opportunities. But I think those both those guys are veterans with question marks because of their age and, in Alford's case, because of his injury history. So if Marco Wilson keeps playing well, maybe he will make a push for playing time at some point. I don't think that'll be early, but we'll see if either of those two guys struggle 
they weren't the best PFF grades early on for Alford and Butler. Um, but obviously we'll need to see after a month of the season what it looks like. But you see that Titans game in the opener and you're dealing with A.J. Brown and Julio Jones right off the bat. So we'll right. find out really quickly if if Alford and Malcolm Butler can hold up this season. Right. Yeah. Um, and the two of them have flashed so far uh, uh, that, that the um, fade pass that Mahomes tried to throw up the right side. Uh, Butler was all over that. And then the Alford made that great tackle. Um, chasing down a, a reverse uh, that was nice. So um, I think the Cardinals D-backs are going to tackle this year. What do you think? Yeah, I think that'll be a, a little change. Patrick Peterson obviously never liked tackling. He was, for the most most of his career here, a great cover man, but not too interested in tackling. And they can do that, but obviously the big thing is coverage when you're a corner. So right. can they hold up there? And I really like what the Cardinals have in the front seven and with Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson. I think this defense can be pretty solid, but I think those cornerbacks still have to prove it. And obviously you have to stay healthy with your big dogs, J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones. But if both of those things happen, I feel like this defense could be pretty good. Yeah. Um, be curious to know your thought on, thoughts on Tay Gowan. It, it's hard to know. I'm obviously not at camp every day anymore, and he's played you know, a bit in the preseason, but I, I'll, I'll reserve judgment until I see him more. You know, I, yeah. He's got the, the height and the speed, but sixth-round pick, I think, so you still wonder, can he do it at the NFL level? If he truly had everything, he would have been a day-two pick, a day-one pick, so we'll see how it goes, but I think it was certainly a worthy flyer that late in the draft. Yeah, I thought his, his his first preseason game he was excellent, and then struggled some against the Chiefs. Uh, and um, now I'm wondering whether he's the kind of project corner who could get claimed off of waivers because of his size. And I, it looked to me like he had training camp legs in the Chiefs game. Um, he played faster the week before. Of course, playing against the Chiefs might have a might make a difference too, but um, with his size and ability to be a press corner, I was really happy with the pick. I think the thing that, that that's standing out is that um, for guys who haven't played in two years, is uh, you know football's a tough game to take a two year break from, and um, I'm thinking that Gowan, you know, was just is just kind of getting back in his you know sort of comfort zone. I'm hoping, but I'm I'm worried that if the Cardinals waive him, that he might get snagged by a team who wouldn't ma mind developing a fifth corner or something, keep him on the roster. But yeah, um, it, it might be like the Eno situation too, where if you like his upside, you keep him on the roster and don't really have plans of playing him as a rookie. But like you said, you don't want to expose him to waivers if you're worried that he might get claimed and if you believe in his upside. So I could definitely see that where – they might stash him and, and redshirt him for a season, but make sure, sure that he stays on the team. Sure. Um, good stuff. i so happy to see Buda Baker get some love in the top 100. Wow, what a what a rating for him, 19. What, what was your thought on that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's great for him. He certainly seems like either the best safety in the league at this point or definitely top three. So I think it was – deserved if, if it was up to me I'd probably have a bunch of quarterbacks really high because of their their value and it's such a premium position which safety right. isn't as much but when it comes to is he how, how well is he playing for the position he plays I think boot is right there with the best safeties in the NFL okay yeah I and he was funny yesterday's yeah I thought they were a little inaccurate I should be top five <laughs> That's a little stretch, Buddha. Yeah. <laughs> Good for him for thinking that way. <laughs> yeah, but he's a kid who lets his game do the talking. Anyway, he's not he's not that much of a you know hot dog. But uh, yeah, but man, I love that young man. I'm so happy for him that he got the love that that PFF did not give him. By the way, what's you're a numbers man? What do you think of PFF? 
I, I think it's valuable. I mean, they watch every single player and they watch the snaps and there's some, I mean, there's some subjectivity to it. You have to decide certain things and they're not in the room with the coaches. Right. So I, I understand why some of the things they say are going to be contrary to, to what coaches think or what players think. But I think any extra information is good. Like we don't have to take everything they say as gospel, but, when they're telling you certain things, especially about like offensive linemen where we didn't have many metrics to judge offensive linemen before. And now they're looking at them and seeing how they're doing. So I think it's, it's a nice piece. Every single thing has to be looked at in totality when you can consider PFF and other analytics, but also the film and also coaches input and what players saw on a play. But I I think it's a nice little piece of the pie. Yeah. I, I like it too. I, uh, I'm always curious about the the grades versus the eye test, and of course, you can't. We don't follow the player every snap when we watch a football game either. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, but uh, like I was surprised at at Malcolm Butler's and Robert Alford's grades um, in the preseason. I thought they've looked pretty good, actually. Um, but I haven't. I be honest, I haven't followed them on each play and. Um, so I, you know, I just can only go by what I've seen so far, but, um, but yeah, I, 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 I kind of like having that metric just to, to, uh, compare and contrast, particularly amongst the, in the division I did, I wrote a thread about, uh, I did the, the last year's grades for every, um, starter on, on, in the NFC West and saw how they stacked up and i was really curious to see how that was going to look and i think that that the cardinals actually have maybe a better roster than people think i know mike clay at espn just wrote a piece and he has the cardinals roster number nine um in the nfl which was surprising because i haven't seen anyone rank it top 10 to this point but he did it by position groups and the grades that he does on the p- position groups. And um, when you saw the numbers and what he was giving the Cardinals positions, uh, it was it was impressive. And um, what's your thought? I mean, uh, you, you've been around the team. Is, is this roster um, built to win now? Uh, I mean, obviously that was the goal and should have been the goal because when you have Kyler Murray going into his third season – He's still on that rookie contract. You have to put win now players around him and make that push. So that's obviously what they're trying to do. I think it's a high variance roster, meaning you look at JJ Watt and if he, if he plays 17 games and plays well, he's not defensive player of the year, JJ Watt anymore, but if he's a pro bowler, who's wreaking havoc, if Chandler Jones comes back and plays well, if Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins have that athleticism and don't have any men- too many mental breakdowns, you know, if AJ Green comes back, there's there's so many guys to me that are high variance, and you could see a team that does put it all together and wins eleven games if things come together. But you have the risk of guys breaking down because of age or the passing game not getting to that next step because it's yet to really show it with Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury together. So I, I don't exactly know what's going to happen, but I feel like I could see either of those scenarios coming. I'm not dead set on that they're going to be a playoff team and they're going to make this great push, but I think it could happen because of the star quality of these players when they're healthy and when they're performing. You have a lot of upside within this group. Yeah. I mean, you've been around Kyler for a few couple of years. What's your take on Kyler Murray? I'm I'm a big fan. I, I think his just natural athleticism, natural talent, the natural tools. He's got to be a top five quarterback when it comes to just regular, you know, a basic talent. So I think this is a really big year for him and a big year for the offense because we've seen it in spurts so often. And the stuff he does is just crazy when you see him get away from guys and and make those scrambles or make those deep passes. But I think it all goes back to the on-schedule passing game, which hasn't really become average or above average yet. 
And right. I think they need to show that this year because you look at Kyler Murray throwing the ball and he's he can be a pocket passer based on the mechanics and the arm talent, but for right. whatever reason, it hasn't turned into this very efficient passing game yet. So, right. so that's the step I need to see. But, I mean, if he does that, then defenses are going to be in a bind because finally they can pass, and then that's going to make the running game more productive too. So I think it's a really big year for him, but I believe in the talent for sure. Yeah, I was uh, a very – interested in the tweet that you you uh, sent out there last week i think it was was it you know if murray balls out you, you don't have to worry about his leadership <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i mean you've probably heard me rail about leadership for a long time but it's to me it's not a big deal at all i mean we we talk about the leaders that these quarterbacks that win are but I just think it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like if a guy is a winner, you automatically say he's a good leader. And if his team is losing, you don't talk about the leadership because the team is losing. So I think right. it, obviously he's more of an introvert. He's not going to be this rah-rah guy, but I don't think that matters. Like if Kyler Murray goes out there and they have an efficient passing game and he's doing what he does with his legs, do you need a pregame speech from that guy? I just think he needs to produce. Right, right. I agree. And plus, we probably have the best pregame speech guy in the league in J.J. Watt now. So <laughs> there you go. I can just hand him the mic. What is your take on um, the what the Cardinals have done there by adding A.J. Green and Rondale Moore to the mix? And how deep do you think the unit is? Yeah, I think looking back at last year, they never had that clear-cut number two guy. Christian Kirk was up and down. Larry Fitzgerald was obviously more at the end of his career, not the same Pro Bowl player anymore. And A.J. Green, to me, is a very interesting player. I've read and seen a lot of praise for him in training camp from national analysts and from local guys. And if he can live up to that and truly turn back the clock and be the A.J. Green of old, I think they're going to be in great shape at wideout because you've got D-Hop, and then you got A.J. Green, and I, I really like Rondale Moore, and I, I think Christian Kirk is a good slot receiver too, but I still want to see it from A.J. Green. I know last year the analytics didn't like him that much. His overall numbers weren't very good. He didn't show he could separate very well anymore, so I think he needs to show that before I'm completely bought in. Um, right. So I think there's some upside there, but – to me, the biggest wild card is A.J. Green, and can he be that number two? Because if not, I'm not sure. If, I, I like Rondale Moore a lot, and I think he's going to do a lot of fun gadget stuff, but can, I don't know if he's ready to be a number two wide receiver as a rookie. Right. So I think you might be in the same problem as last year and not having that number two if A.J. Green doesn't step up. Right. Yeah, really excited about Rondale, and I agree with you. I don't think to put – too too much on his plate immediately. I'm hoping he can help us in the return game, uh, and like like you said, on some gadget plays. And I think you could even use him occasionally at running back yeah. um, with certain plays. Uh, so it's exciting to have a player of that um, of his ilk. I mean, man, when he bur burst on the scene at Purdue, I remember just pinching myself saying, God, I hope he's a Cardinal one day because that Ohio State game in particular was just, you know, he was a skyrocket in that game. I mean, just unstoppable as a freshman, as a, you know, as a first-year freshman, you know. Um, and, and with this offense, you need that guy. And I think they wanted Andy Isabella to be that guy. He didn't pan out. But to have somebody who can do the jet sweeps or – fake the jet sweep and then do play action and throw it down the field, or you can throw him the bubble screens. I mean, how many bubble screens did they throw last season that went for two yards because they didn't have anybody that could break those tackles? Right. Rondell Moore is that guy. You throw him a bubble screen, right. and he can do something after the catch. And Correct. I think that was the big deficiencies offensively last year. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what, what do you think about Andy Isabella and Keyshawn Johnson? I think at this point they haven't shown enough after two years that I just assume they'll be depth guys. I mean, I, I think if you don't do it your first couple of years when given the opportunity, it's 
unlikely that they'll become starters or key role players. So I expect them to just be depth. But uh, obviously, Andy Isabella has the pedigree of a former second round pick. So you don't want to completely give up on that quite yet. But right. I think things would seriously need to click in order for him to be a factor. Yeah, it's interesting they have him listed as a, you know, playing a different position than slot. And um, Cliff said that he fashions Isabella as more of an outside guy, not a slot guy, which was curious. And um, I think that what he means by that, too, is that if you put Andy with his speed opposite DeAndre Hopkins, like they're doing with A.J. Green, and, you know, I'd they're going to have to spell AJ Green some this year. Hopefully, Cliff will have a nice little rotation going. But if you got a speed guy who can give the safety pause um, on that opposite size side, maybe they don't shade to Hopkins as much. And of course, if you got have a guy in the slot like Rondale Moore, who is going to command the safety's attention as well, it's going to be. Um, maybe free up DeAndre a little more than what he got last year because teams could really load up on him um, and bracket him. And it's amazing. He still got the numbers he did, although down the stretch, he, he, you know, um, he, he had some real tough games uh, and uh, um, got pretty much shut down by Savian Howard. Although with penalties (laughs) and uh, with, um, you know, uh, even Jason Verrett had a good game against him, which surprised me. And then, of course, the Rams with Ramsey um, twice was tough. And I thought Ramsey got away with a lot in that last Rams game. That was – I know Hopkins' loss is cool. That was kind of coming with the way the game was being officiated. I mean, Ramsey manhandled him. and I remember that pass into the end zone. Um, Ramsey climbed on top of his back – and didn't get called. That was just ridiculous. But um, the Cardinals will have answers for that. I'm sure they're going to move Hopkins around this year. They're not going to just relegate him to the left side as they did last year in a, in a you know sort of predictable root tree. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah I, I, I think no matter where Hopkins is, he's going to get the attention of a defense. All, all these other guys are intriguing, but. To right. me, there's nobody else among the wideouts that you're going to say, okay, we're we're super worried about this guy. I think if Rondell Moore proves it or if A.J. Green proves it, if Christian Kirk proves it, then that'll change. But certainly out of the gate, everybody's worried about D-Hop. And then if somebody else beats you, I think teams would much rather have that because none of those other options have that track record of being this game-changing type player at this stage, I mean, A.J. Green used to be that guy, but he needs yeah. to show that he can he can do that again before teams say, okay, we're not going to double D-hop. I think it's still going to happen a ton. Absolutely. So right now with the tight end situation, if you were the GM, what would you do? I, I think they're light there. I mean, I don't know what the options are. And at this point, if you're looking at free agency, it's going to be slim pickings. Right. I'm I'm surprised that there's not another tight end that they pick, that that they tried to acquire. Um, right. You know, if Max Williams stays healthy, you can probably get by. Uh, but he's been injury prone, and if he gets hurt, and you're looking at Darrell Daniels as your starting tight end, and I don't know even who would be the the number two at that point, but. Right. I think clearly they're going to try to play four wide receivers and do that a decent amount this sure. season. But even so, I think when you don't, when you have such a lack of depth at a position, it can burn you if you get one or two injuries. Yes, uh, I'm guessing they're going to make some sort of move at the cuts or make an acquisition. But who knows? Um, I they may just keep two on the roster and two on the practice squad. And plus, they have the German um, player Bernard Sekovitz, um on a waiver. I mean, he's an exemption. They can keep him all year um, as a project. Uh, you know, the German Gronk, <laughs> as they're called. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what do you th- in the off season? The Cardinals promoted Sean Kugler to run game coordinator, uh, which makes some sense. 
What do you think of Sean Kugler's role in the offense and what he's doing with the offensive line? I've been super impressed by both the progress of the offensive line and how fun the run game is. I think some of the stuff he draws up is, has been super creative. I think he gives the players, he puts them in position to succeed. And I think DJ Humphrey's progress has been notable under Sean Kugler. So they have to be very happy with that hire and, He's overqualified in a sense because he could probably be a college head coach still if he wanted to be or a coordinator, but it seems like he's content just being a position coach and not being in the limelight as much. So the the Cardinals really luck out where they have this guy who is obviously a smart guy who's really helping them out, um, and he could probably be promoted and go somewhere else, but it seems like he's happy with what he's doing. Yeah, um, it's good to see that. We're not ranked. Our offensive line is not ranked at the bottom of the league anymore, at least going into a season, and there's more of an anticipation. And the pass, the PFF pass protection grades across the board last year were excellent. Um, the, the run blocking grades were not as good, but we saw the Cardinals try to run into stack boxes quite a bit too, which um, was – not very productive when they tried it and uh, that probably has something to do with it. Uh, those, those run blocking grades, but, and I think PFF typically is much harder on in grading run blocking than they are pass blocking. So, but uh, yeah, really impressed with, with the direction that's going and, and the fact that they were able to retain Kelvin Beecham on such a nice deal. And he wanted to stay, um, he's got a nif Cougar's got a nifty thing going in that room. They seem to really enjoy each other now. The addition of Rodney Hudson. What do you think? What kind of an impact do you think that's going to make? I think it'll certainly help. I mean, he's a, a Pro Bowl player, and the interior pressure was an uh, an issue last season at times, especially well, you know Aaron Donald and some of the stars got in there regularly. I think the center position is not as important as tackle i mean the 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 real pressure comes on the edge most of the time right but having such a substantial upgrade like that is definitely going to help the offensive line overall and yeah if you give kyler murray time in the pocket that's only going to help him and and i think that was important to solidify that spot but i agree i think this offensive line is certainly above average and if everybody stays healthy kyler murray should have a clean pocket more often than not Right. So let's shift over the defense. What are your impressions of Vance Joseph? He certainly made some improvements from year one to year two. Uh, what do you, what do you, how do you think uh, things are going for him? I'm a huge fan. I know there's a lot of vitriol for Vance Joseph among the fan base sometimes, but the things he did last year without Chandler Jones, they were still deficient from personnel standpoint in certain areas. And I, right. I thought the way he schemed things up, the blitz packages, super impressive to me. And I think, I think Cardinals fans should be a lot more encouraged by Vance Joseph. than sometimes they are, I think he's, he's doing a really good job and it'll be interesting this year. Now that they have some really good talent on that side of the ball, what it looks like. Cause if JJ health, if JJ Watt and Chandler Jones both stay healthy, you're going to have a pretty good pass rush and you've got those linebackers that should play pretty well. So there's right. a lot of good players on that defense now and, and Vance Joseph will be able to get creative. So I, I'm definitely optimistic about what this defense can bring. Yeah. I was, it was interesting that, you know, they lost uh, Chandler Jones in week, week five. Um, and Jones was off to a slow start actually had their best pass rushing games without him, um, which was ironic, um, and didn't really seem to miss a beat. Of course, one of the greatest quotes of all time was Cliff Kingsbury saying, yeah, this Dennis Gardeck, we couldn't block him in practice, but we didn't know if he'd hold up in a game. <laughs> like, what? I mean, he was instant, instant lightning off that edge. I remember that Jet game going like, oh, my God, look at this kid. And of course, he was a sack master, um, albeit at at you know Sioux Falls and, and whatnot, and in West Virginia um, at West Virginia State. I mean, but uh, wow, 
what a player. Um, you're an odds man. What are the odds? Uh, what would when do you think he'll be back on the field playing? Um, I mean, the fact that they took him off pup and he's already practicing, I think, is certainly a, a good sign. And saw a couple little clips of him rushing the edge. So, right. you know, he's a rotational guy and they'll probably bring him along a little bit slower. But I think, you know, if he's making an impact within the first month of the season, if he can get back on the field in, you know, week three, week four, or or have some sort of role at that point, I think that'd be a good sign. It's it's a long season. You need yeah. pass rushers. It's a super valuable spot. And he showed that if you give me this pure pass rusher role, I can produce. So I don't think he's going to do the same sack rate as he had last year because yeah. not even uh, Aaron Donald is doing yeah. that sort of thing. <laughs> But but I I think he's a valuable piece on those third downs when you want to put that speed rushing package in there and and I right. think he'll be ready uh, at some point early in the season. It looks like things are trending well. Uh, that's great. That's really great, exciting news for Cardinals fans. Uh, what do you? I mean, you're close to the team. What do you think happened with Hassan Reddick coming off his best season? Yeah, it seems like they just made the decision that that money was better spent elsewhere and you look at the contract Hassan Reddick eventually got which right. I believe was one year for six million and right I mean if, if you told me at the beginning of free agency you could bring Hassan Reddick back for six million dollars I would have signed up for that in a heartbeat and yes maybe they thought he would get more or maybe they already allocated enough money to JJ Watt on the front that they kind of moved on but I think that's a tremendous value for the Panthers and We'll see. I mean, I get it that he only did it for one year, but he also right. only had one year on the edge full time, and he was great. So yeah. I would have, I would have personally bet on that. And I, I'm a big Hassan Reddick fan. I thought the athleticism that he showed, I think against mobile quarterbacks, he's a really good player to have because he can chase those guys down. Uh, so yeah. we'll see how he does, but but I'm, I, I think he's going to definitely produce for the Panthers and show that they made a good decision with that contract. Sure. And uh, who knows? Maybe they can re-sign him next year. Yep. <laughs> he's a one-year deal. Right. Um, unless the, the Panthers tag him or make him a better offer or something. But um, what I loved about Reddick was his ability to contain the likes of Russell Wilson and play inside-out sack. Um of inside-out sack techniques on Wilson. I I really still believe that the Cardinals would not have beaten the Seahawks twice without Reddick um, in both of those games. His plays on, on um, Russell Wilson were key um, plays in the game. And, um, you know, I just worry now we don't have an athlete at Sam outside linebacker like Reddick what do you think they're going to do there? I mean, how, how are they going to compensate? I mean, Marcus Golden isn't really a, uh, you know, he's more of a hybrid D end and pass rusher. Um, Devin Kennard is a good run setter, you know, set the edge and defend the run. I don't know if he's athletic enough to play contain and, and, and stand out in coverage the way that Reddick did. What, do you think that might shift Gardeck over there? What What do you think they're going to do at that spot? Yeah, I, th I think the most likely scenario would be Isaiah Simmons playing that sort of thing yep. in a in a pure pass rushing rushing situation. You don't want him there very often against the run, obviously. But right. we saw Reddick and Isaiah Simmons together on the edge, I believe, against the Seahawks the second time around. And right. that, that, I like that a lot. I thought having yeah. all that speed on the edge for a mobile quarterback made right. life tough on Russell Wilson. So right. I, I, I think that's the most likely scenario when you're playing um, mobile quarterbacks where you put Isaiah Simmons more on the edge and maybe play Jordan Hicks more or you know do more of a dime look or something. But I think to me – I would feel most comfortable if I if I had Isaiah Simmons on the line of scrimmage, where if Russell Wilson gets out, that's the one guy that can that can chase him down. Yeah, really good point. Um, that's a great point. Uh, so, all right, now, um, were you on board with the draft Collins and put him in as a starter right away? I thought it was a little bit premature. Um, I would have, you know, let it let it kind of play itself out in camp. 
Yeah. Even though you realize that, hey, the upside is here and we're going to lean toward him if it's close. But then I watched these two preseason games and I've been super impressed with him. So yeah. I think it was definitely the, the right decision in retrospect. Right. And I, I don't have very many uh, concerns at all about him at inside backer. I actually think Isaiah Simmons is the bigger question mark at that position where from what I've seen, I love Isaiah Simmons in space, in coverage. He does a great job against even wide receivers, right? which lends me to think maybe he makes more sense as a safety than as an inside linebacker because against the run, it seems like he's been a little bit more tentative and trying to figure out exactly which gap he's in and, and right. how to hit it with authority. So right. I think Zayvon Collins is was born to be a middle linebacker, and he totally looks the part. But I think they're still going to have to figure out exactly how to use Isaiah Simmons. Yeah, good point. And I kind of like, um, as a backup, Tanner Vallejo as a run stuffer, uh, way he sure did against the Seahawks in overtime. Um, his two key downhill tackles on the running game set up the Simmons interception with uh, in that overtime game. And, and then last the last week against the Rams, this week 17, when he got his shot there, he had double-digit tackles, and I thought he got to the ball faster and more instinctively um, than any linebacker we had last year, inside linebacker. Um, so, I, and the Cardinals re-signed him to a two-year deal and made him a um, little promise that they were going to use him more uh, in a secondary role, but uh, but but give him more snaps than what he got last year. So that's going to be interesting to watch. Um, and, and then, uh, uh, Zeke Turner, I mean, every time I watch him in his preseason game playing like that money outside linebacker, that weak outside linebacker position, I kind of impressed with how athletic he is. Do you think he could buy some time in the defense or is he going to be strictly a special teamer? I, I think if he was going to make an impact defensively, he probably would have moved up the depth chart at some point and he's always kind of been that third string linebacker. So I feel like his impact is going to be on special teams. And right. if he, if he shows that, you know, he can surpass some guys or if injuries pop up and he can do it. I mean, I think that'd be a bonus, but right now I think, I think Zeke is more of that, that special teams guy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, boy, he sure has good hands is that, that fake, <laughs> yeah. the fake punt was 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 amazing that was just awesome um he's a great guy too i'm happy for him coming in undrafted not knowing if he was going to make the team and now he's stuck around and and got a little raise with his uh with his pay in the off season so yeah super happy for him he's, he's a really really good guy that's really good um okay so cardinals um teams the kicking game in the offseason with Matt Prater. What are your impressions of him so far? I mean, it's looked good so far. Just watching the games, it seems like he's accurate. And we we all know how close games are in the NFL. So you don't talk about special teams a lot until it bites you. And we know what happened last year where if the Cardinals win a couple of those games with some kicks, now we're talking about a playoff team. And the entire narrative is completely different about right. this team. Um, so I think you right. need consistency in the kicking game. And it's a it's a notoriously inconsistent position. I mean, sometimes the best kickers can have bad years. And besides Justin Tucker, there's a lot of volatility at kicker. So we'll see how Prater does. But you just want those guys to make the clutch kicks. And at least from a mental standpoint, Matt Prater is not going to get rattled when it's a game-winning kick. Um, so I think that's a good part of it where he's right. not going to psych himself out, but we'll see how it goes from a physical standpoint. You just you just hope he makes the ones that count. Yeah, um, interesting to see the Cardinals just made a waiver pickup of Ryan Winslow again. Um, you probably uh, saw that. Uh, should we read anything into that other than just they just wanted to reunite him? with Andy Lee and maybe keep him on the practice squad? Yeah, I think you're probably thinking down the road, Andy Lee 
I don't know if he's 37 or 38 or something like that at this right. point. So he's, he's, you know, getting older and not sure how much longer he'll play. So I think you're thinking long-term and looking at a possible replacement, but yeah. I would fully expect Andy Lee to still be their punter this year. Yeah, me too. Um, so, and then on the return game, looks like maybe we'll have some options this year. Uh, it's been a while since anyone's really uh, put their heart and soul into uh, kickoff returns and punt returns um, and without taking a straight beeline for the sideline. Mm -hmm. um, so, and we've seen Eno Benjamin run hard on his kickoff returns. We haven't seen Andy Isabella yet because he's still listed um, at the top of the depth chart there. So we'll have to see him against the, uh, the saints this weekend. And then um, Greg Dortch, uh, ran a couple nifty punt returns. Of course, they have Rondale Moore as a punt returner, and they have Christian Kirk. Uh, what, what are your thoughts about the return game this year? Yeah, I think the one guy who could be a standout there is Rondale Moore at, at punt returner. I don't think any of those kickoff guys you mentioned are going to be anything special. Yep. Um, but Rondale Moore, with, his, with both his top-end speed – and his ability to make guys miss, that's right. intriguing at punt returner. And, I mean, their punt return game has been virtually non-existent the last couple of years. And, yep. and that can help you when you spring a 35, 40-yard return. And Farrell Cooper had some of those when he was there a couple of years ago. But last year, they didn't get much of anything out of it. So it's, it's a nice right. little bonus when you can get it. And like you said earlier, it makes a lot of sense for Rondale Moore to be that guy to get him a couple more touches per game. And, and then you hope he can spring one at some point. Yeah. Great, great point. So you got a chance to go to get to know Jeff Rogers. Some what, what, you know, I've I'm kind of impressed with him. What do you, what are your thoughts on Jeff Rogers as special team coordinator? Yeah, I think he's been super solid. You can just tell they're a well-coached group and, you know, these fake punts that he comes up with, they've been so successful with them. He, he really schemes well. You can't fault him for the missed kicks. I mean, they tell they 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 coach those guys up, and ultimately, you know, he can't control what the guys do when they're on the field when they're kicking. But I think overall, the stuff he does is is super impressive from a coaching perspective. And you know, Amos Jones and that group had their troubles beforehand, so I think it's it's striking the difference that they had previously compared to Jeff Rogers. I think it's been a big upgrade. Oh, that's great. Um, so, all right, here's the question of the day. Um, where are the Cardinals? What are the odds of the Cardinals winning the NFC West? Uh, I think the last I saw was like about five to one. So it's, it's tough. I mean, they, yeah, they have talent, but when you look at the NFC West and you got the 49ers and the Rams and the Seahawks, I, I get why the Cardinals are projected to be fourth. The, the other teams have a long track record of being successful, and they have loaded rosters, and especially with McVay and Shanahan, I think they have tremendous coaching minds, especially offensively. So right, I, I, I get why they're fourth, but I also think, like we talked about earlier, there's enough high upside with this team that it wouldn't shock me if the Cardinals were in the mix when you have a quarterback as talented as Kyler Murray, right. I think you always have a chance to do something special because we've seen it with Patrick Mahomes. And, and last year, Josh Allen was a great example of a guy where it clicked and, and that Bills team took off. So the Cardinals right. have that potential because of Kyler Murray and because of these older guys that we talked about that might have these renaissance seasons. Um, but as for now, I, I agree that fourth makes the most sense because I think – Kyler Murray and this offense still has to show that we can throw the ball efficiently in order for them to really be competitive with the other three. Okay. So outstanding answer to that. And I, which leads into the, you know, elephant in the room. Um, if uh, the Cardinals don't make the playoffs, what are the odds on Cliff Kingsbury being replaced as head coach? Yeah. I mean, we'll have to see like, how it comes about if if Kyler Murray gets hurt and misses 11 games that obviously changes the calculus but if they're relatively healthy and 
you know, they go seven and 10, I, I think Cliff Kingsbury could be in a bad spot, right? I mean, it's three years where you didn't make the playoffs. And after showing progress for the first two, if they take a step back this year, I think there's going to be serious questions. Now, if the offense hits another gear and it's a huge defensive problem, then maybe he gets a pass. So I, I think right. a lot of it depends on the win-loss record and, and how does Kyler Murray and this offense look. Obviously, he was billed as an offensive innovator coming in, and, and there have been a lot of good things from Cliff Kingsbury that I've seen, especially that first year. But now you have your offense in place. You've got the players that you feel like have upgraded around Kyler Murray. So I definitely think this is a critical year for him. And if they take a step back, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that will be screaming for a different head coach. Oh, that's great. Um, I'm, I'm a little worried about it because I, f- I feel like in some ways it's going to be really difficult f- for him to, um, you know, prevail in this NFC West. I mean, the Cardinals have really even come close in what five years um as 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 soon as sean mcvase you know showed up and um they definitely have to do better than two and four in their own division and i think it's possible like you i I echo everything you said i think it wouldn't surprise me if the cardinals are right in the mix but at the same time i'm kind of you know he had had the cardinals as even with the last two games being aberrations offensively he had the cardinals six in yards per game in offense last year i mean when was the last time we were up that high in the league probably 2015 maybe were we top 10 with carson palmer i mean to come from where we were just a few years ago um and a lot of that's certainly because of having a dynamic quarterback like Kyler Murray and, and his, you know, dual threat ability, um, his ability to tuck it in and run. But still, I mean, six in the NFL in total yards per game is is pretty good company when you look at the other offensive coordinators who, of teams that are right up there. And yet this whole offseason, uh, the, the, you know, the, the biggest debate is there are just numbers of not only local media, but Cardinal fans who are pretty convinced that this is make or break for Kinsbury, no matter what, it's playoffs or bust. And um, I like the way you answered it. I think the, the, we'd have to let, take a look at the whole picture. And um, I like Cliff personally. Um, what do you think, you know, as a final question, um, what do you think are his greatest challenges this year as head coach? Yeah, I think it it all really comes down to what they're doing offensively where, I mean, last year it felt like DeAndre Hopkins was your main target. And if DeAndre Hopkins wasn't getting the ball, then it was Kyler Murray running. And beyond those two, I think there wasn't enough balance offensively. Right. So to me, it's about figuring out a way to – consistently move the ball beyond those two crutches in a sense and it's funny because you go back to 2019 and that wide receiver group was nothing to write home about I mean it's Christian Kirk, Fitz, Farrell Cooper, Demir Bird but the last half of his first season that offense was really moving the ball well they're running it really well right the balance was nice I mean you didn't really know where the ball was going I thought he was very creative in what he was doing and Last year, it felt a little bit more stagnant to me. So I think it's, right. it's getting back to just that flow offensively where defenses are worried about what you're doing and on their heels. And at some point last year, it, it didn't feel like that was the case. And maybe it was the Patriots writing that game plan, how to stop the Cardinals offense. And all the teams after that followed it and did pretty well. So he's had an entire offseason. I think Cliff Kingsbury is a smart guy. He's going to know what he needs to do to change it, but that's what I'm going to watch. Just like purely schematics, how do they get this offense back rolling and, and back moving the ball consistently? So, And I think after six weeks, we're probably going to have a pretty good idea because Kyler Murray has been in this offense for a long time now, and I think we're going to see whether they really figured it out or if they're going to be in trouble. And you know, if they start slowly offensively, I just think these calls are going to get louder and louder. 
Oh, that's great. Uh, Kyle, thank you so much. Uh, uh, it was really an honor to have you on here. As I said, you're um, head and shoulders of my favorite Cardinals beat writer. And you were like Domino's Pizza. I knew you would be. You delivered today on every answer. Thank you so much. Is there a parting word you have for Cardinal fans on Revenge of the Birds? Yeah, I just uh, appreciate you having me on. And I'll still be following the Cardinals closely and, and putting in my two cents. You know, it may be a little bit more of a, a sports betting skew to it now, which is fun too. I mean, I like looking at the spread and different things like that. So I'll I'll definitely, you know, stay locked in with the Cardinals and, and checking in on their progress and stuff. But I, you know, I definitely enjoyed interacting with the fans through the years. And I, I don't want that to stop. I mean, it, it's fun talking about the Cardinals and looking at them you know, on a, on a weekly basis or so. So I, I've appreciated, you know, my time with the team, but I definitely want to still keep up with it. And, you know, I'll keep making my opinions known on Twitter and people can disagree with me if they want, but <laughs> definitely, uh, yeah, definitely enjoy this talk and, and you having me on too, Walter. Hey, thanks a lot, Kyle. And um, thanks to all the, the, uh, the support we've been getting from, uh, Cardinal fans all over the globe. It's really very impressive. Um, we added Israel to our f- fan base <laughs> over the last week or so. Um, and uh, there are like 14 countries now. Germany leads the pack, by the way, um, thanks to the Germans. Um, and uh, just really happy that uh, to have all of your support. And and uh, want to give you a heads up that on Sunday, following the day after the Cardinals' last preseason game, uh, Joseph Camo and I, who did an earlier um, 53-man roster uh, tally of our favorite players, um, are now going to predict who the Cardinals are going to take. We're going to leave our favorites out of it and then get down to the nitty-gritty of each position in each spot and try to hammer out the 53 well in advance of Tuesday's cut down from 80 players to 53, which should be wild and woolly um, with the waiver situation and trades and all that. So you'll, you'll get the next um, uh, red rain on Sunday at some point, probably in the early afternoon. And uh, thanks as always to Kyle Little Rock Ledbetter job. He does producing this show and until, till Sunday, take care guys and enjoy the, the last, uh, the last preseason game.